So maybe gradually our society is coming around to this idea that no, human beings are bonding animals and love is an ancient wired-in survival code designed to keep the people you depend on close to you and it's a source of strength. This week, the one, the only, Dr. Sue Johnson is here to talk about emotionally focused therapy and what the new science and research tells us about it and why people should care. It is an in-depth and fascinating conversation. Stay tuned. Doesn't it sound nice to come home after a long day at work and to see your spouse sitting at the table with a bottle of beautiful red cracked open waiting for you? We think so too, which is why we have the Hitched Wine Club. Visit hitchedmag.com, click the Wine Club link, and join today. It's super easy, takes just a couple clicks. Each shipment comes with exclusive date ideas to help you and your spouse reconnect, and every bottle is guaranteed. Again, go to hitchedmag.com and click the Wine Club link to learn more. Hey everybody, welcome back. This is Steve Cooper, Editor-in-Chief of HitchedMag.com. I am joined with a very, very special guest today, a legend in the business. Uh, You might know her as the creator of Emotionally Focused Therapy, Dr. Sue Johnson. Hi, Sue. Hi, nice to be here. It is so great to have you on. Um, as I mentioned, you are the creator of EFT, and anybody who has listened to this podcast for any amount of time at all uh, has heard about it, knows about it, at least in passing. Um, but we're going to dig into it a little bit more. And before we do that, though, I want to have you give a little bit more information about yourself for somebody out there listening who just isn't quite familiar yet. Okay. Um, Well, I'm somebody who is um, fascinated by relationships. I think that's because as a child in England, I grew up in an English pub and all I did, which is a bit of a bizarre childhood, all I did was watch people um, interact. I listened in on conversations, um, often to people with people who were quite inebriated. (laughs) And um, I just became fascinated by the whole drama, the human drama of relationships. So when I became a psychologist, it was natural for me to just sort of gravitate towards working with couples and families. And um, I just became fascinated in that whole drama and what makes that drama tick, how to understand it. And um, it was the obvious thing for me to study. So I spent many years as a professor, clinical psychology professor at the University of Ottawa, Mm -hmm. and I'm a professor at Alliant University in San Diego as well. And then about 13 years ago, my colleagues and I from all around the world um, decided to create the International Center for Excellence in EFT to train therapists in helping people have better relationships. And I wrote the books for the public, hold me tight and love sense, because I really believe that one of the most crucial things, issues in our world is that we have to understand, help people understand 
how to have loving, lasting relationships if we're all going to stay sane and, <laughs> yes. and certainly if we're going to create a better and healthier world. So that's kind of who I am. I spend my life doing research projects uh, with my research team and traveling around the globe, talking to people, teaching people how to run hold me tight education groups, how to um, training therapists, consulting on projects. Um, right now, we're just uh, doing a project with the Heart Institute in town, um, making um, an educational group for couples who are facing heart attack because oh. the people at the Institute read the research which says that the best way to predict whether you're going to have another heart attack or not is not to look at the severity of the first heart attack or even your diet. It's to look at the quality of your most intimate relationship. So they... Uh, they asked me to come and do a program about that. And this whole new science of relationships is really, I can't think of anything more fascinating. So I'm just totally, I'm a person who's fascinated with that. That's yeah. All. Oh, that, you, those are literally the words that I was about to use. It, it is extraordinarily fascinating. And, it, and the, the research and the work that you do, and as well as others, just continues to pile up to show the benefits of happy, healthy relationships. That's right. Um, okay, so I want to jump into, uh, you know, what people know you for, which is the emo emotionally focused therapy. Um, what gave you the inspiration to create EFT? <laughs> well, um, I mean, saying all the things I've already said, I was fascinated by relationships. But really, um, EFT came from the fact that um, I had done almost every kind of therapy except couples. Um, and so right at the end of my, no, not at the end, at the end of my clinical training in my doctoral program, I was suddenly in a situation where I had to work in couples therapy. And it was kind of desperation that made, <laughs> that made me create EFT because I was used to feeling kind of competent with people. And I went into work with couples and um, I thought, oh, oh. Uh, oh my goodness, um, uh, this is something else. Um, there's two people in this room, both fighting each other, um, angry at me if I say anything nice to the other person. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I'm trying to help them be more reasonable and more friendly. And I'm trying to give them insight. They don't really seem like they want insight, they just want to win the argument. So I was trying to do all the things it said in all the books at that point, which is teach them communication skills. They didn't want to learn communication skills. And anyway, we none of us can use our communication skills when we're totally freaked out by losing our balance with our partner. It's like asking somebody to read the manual for how to use a parachute when you're in free fall, you know. So I was desperate and I thought, I don't know how, I don't know how to do this. And I looked in the literature at the time. I thought, well, nobody knows how to do this. <laughs> one, of my, one of my friends said to me, of course not. These people don't just want to stop fighting. They want to find love and nobody even understands love. Mm -hmm. So I got totally freaked out. So I decided, okay, well, I'm going to tape my couples and I'm going to tape these situations and I'm going to watch them, watch the tapes again and again and again and again until I get it. So my couples taught me EFT. They taught me to see patterns in the fights and also in what started to create repair. They taught me to see the, what was important and what wasn't. And slowly, slowly, 
I started to intervene in a way that helped them move out of disconnection and despair into um, these loving moments. But mm -hmm. on the other hand, there's another level at which I didn't really understand what I was doing, even in the first research study we did, mm -hmm. because I got completely hooked on this stuff. I was just um, on fire, okay? <laughs> um, so we wrote a little, I wrote a little manual, and even in the first research study that we did, we got these amazing results. But I didn't really understand quite why we got them, you know? Yeah. And then um, gradually I started listening to people at conferences and reading all kinds of books. And it really started to hit me that the reason that this, these interventions were helping couples was something to do with what John Bowlby, who did all the science on infant-mother bonding years before, was saying about how we we have we are bonding animals and if we can create these open responsive emotionally engaged relationships uh, this really allows us to see our partner to keep our emotional balance to solve problems together and I started to realize that what was really happening in EFT is we were Sure, we were de-escalating fights mm -hmm. and negative interactions, but what we were really doing was help people have, helping people have bonding conversations. Okay. And that was fascinating because the, the, the sort of wisdom of the time was that adults didn't need bonding conversations. They were supposed to be self-sufficient. Ah. So to say that my work was unaccepted when we first started to... <laughs> To work with couples this way is um, an understatement. I would, I would go to conferences and I would stand up and talk about to my colleagues, to professionals, about how what you mostly needed to do is help couples understand their emotions and make sense of their emotions and, and, and then reach for each other in ways that pulled the person close and created these bonding relationships. And I, for me, this is obvious, especially now. Yeah. It sounds so obvious now. But um, way back then, it was all about helping couples be more separate and not count on each other at all. And mm -hmm. so I would come home from these conferences and my husband would say, how did it go? And I say, well, you know, when I talked about emotions, you know, 30 people walked out because they don't, <laughs> they don't want to talk to distressed couples about their emotions. And then when I started talking about how we needed each other and all about adult attachment, um, about 50 other people walked out. So he said, well, how many did you have in the end? I said, I think five people stayed. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, but, you know, I'm a sort of, um, I, well, um, I don't know how to describe it. I, I can be kind of feisty. And so, um, especially if I believe in something. So, um, you know, for me, I, I got to a point where I just thought, well, I don't care. Good. I don't. I don't care. Um, I know what happens to my couples when um, they go through this process, and I know when I read this stuff from my colleagues in social psychology and developmental psychology who don't talk about couples at all usually. When I read this stuff, I know that I can see it in my couples, and I know this makes sense. So I just thought, well, I don't care. I'm gonna. I'm gonna do it anyway. And wow. I mean, the last 10 years have been a whole different story. We have, we have more research than any other intervention 
for couples way more. We have 17 positive outcome studies. We have studies on how the therapy works. We have long-term follow-up studies saying the effects stay. We've worked with all kinds of different kinds of couples. We're training people all over the globe. I mean, now it's the other, we have another problem, which is I don't know how we can keep up with it all. Yeah. We have 50 people going around the globe training therapists in this. And I think the thing I'm most proud of, though, is I decided to write a book for the public, Hold Me Tight. Mm -hmm. And um, it was one of the hardest things I've ever done because, you know, I'd written academic books before. Yeah. And that's a different game. So it was very good for me. My editor was brutal. <laughs> um, she would say things like, the intellectually, academically, this is very interesting, and it will bore, you know, yeah. ordinary, ordinary folks to death. And then she'd just put a big um, line through the page. <laughs> and I'd have to go upstairs and, and swear, close the door in the bathroom and swear for about 15 minutes before coming back down and talking to her again. But she taught me a lot, and I'm very proud of Hold Me Tight. Well, I want to interject really quick. So uh, for so it's available pretty much everywhere books are sold, so Amazon, of course. And uh, for any listeners out there, we also have it in our bookstore. So if, uh, if you're interested in finding the book, you can find it there as well. And I want to make sure I plug your website, drsuejohnson.com, where I'm assuming people can also find your book there. Oh, yes, and they can find my other book for the public called Love Sense, which is kind of like talking about the new science because what we have is a whole science of, of adult bonding now that really does crack the code of love, and I want people to know about that. So, yes, and my website has lots of little clips on it, lots of little talks. Um, a recent video I just did with Ed Tronic, who's a developmental psychologist, looking at how you see the same patterns between mother and infant as you do in adult relationships, particularly when someone in the relationship shuts down mm -hmm. and withdraws. So there's lots of resources on my website and, um, and, and stuff about my books. Okay. And I know EFT has an extraordinarily high success rate. I mean, nothing, yes, nothing even comes close to that. So can you tell us what that success rate is and why, why, why is it so successful? Well, it's, it's successful because we've worked like crazy for 30 years. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, um, it, I think it's successful because it's on target. Mm -hmm. It's successful because it's the only couple intervention that is based on this enormous new body of science on adult bonding. Mm -hmm. And so we know what matters. We, we don't spend a whole bunch of time talking to people about everything in their relationship and helping them problem solve. Um, when we do EFT, at the end of EFT, they can problem solve just fine because they can, they can come together as a team and look at things as a team. What we do is we go into the core of a relationship. We go into helping people understand the music of their dance, the emotion in the dance, mm -hmm. and we help them understand their emotional responses. We help them understand the emotional reactions they create in their partner. Couples really, partners really don't understand the impact they have on each other a lot of the time. It's much, much more huge than they imagined. And we help people 
turn and reach for each other and create this emotional connection. And that is the essence of human bonding. And it's not, you know, we didn't make it up. Yeah. It wasn't, we didn't come up with a clever idea or an intervention. We plugged into a system in our brains, in who we are, that is an ancient wired in survival code. We plugged into the need for bonding and attachment and we started to understand that system. So we simply, on a very simple level, we know how to remove the blocks, the things that are blocking people from creating these emotionally attuned, responsive bonds with each other, which we call love. Mm -hmm. right? we, know how, we know what the blocks are. We help people remove the blocks. And then we help them tune into each other and go to this natural, wired-in place where they can... They naturally want to take risks and reach for each other. They naturally want to respond and help their partner with their feelings. So we know how to get there. It's kind of like we know how to take people home. And the home mm. is wired in. It's not something that we've invented, if you understand what I mean. Yeah, no. I, I, I have a question for you. I So you, you mentioned you have, you know, 30 plus years of research on this stuff. There has been a lot of leaps and bounds uh, in neuroscience lately. Has, has there been any neuroscience on this stuff? Oh, yeah. We, I'm, one of the things I'm really proud of is the last study we did, which is um, it, the big study is just coming out in the Journal of Marriage and Family Therapy. We showed that we could not only change people's satisfaction and their intimacy but also we could actually create more secure bonds. That's a very big deal because that's a very specific thing. So what does we, that, I'm sorry, what does that mean when you say they can form these bonds? They have a deeper sense of felt security with each other. They can reach for each other when they're vulnerable in a way that pulls their partner close. They, they are emotionally accessible responsive and engaged with each other, especially at moments of vulnerability. If you like, it's like the answer to the question, which is the main question in all relationships, are you there for me, is an overwhelming yes in these moments. And that's a more secure bond. So that has huge implications for human beings. All the research says, if you have just one of those secure bonds, it makes you more resilient, uh, more able to deal with stress, healthier. Um, it, it, the, the, the impact on it of it is huge. This is the sort of ecological niche we were designed to thrive in. Mm -hmm. So it, it really works for us. But the other part of it, to answer your question, is that we, I got together with a um, neuroscientist called Jim Cohn at the University of Virginia. He's an amazing guy. And we put in a brain scan element in the study where we got um, women, these were relationship-distressed, insecure women who feel anxious or uh, want to avoid their partner, they don't trust their partner. Uh, we put them in a brain scan machine <laughs> at the beginning of the project, and we told them, basically, you're going to lie in the machine, which is a bit scary, okay? Your, your head's in a cage, for one thing. You can't move it. Um, you're going to lie in the machine, and you, when you see this X in front of your face, there's a 30% chance you'll be shocked on your ankles. 
It's a bit like the, the I just watched um, Spectre last night, James Bond. Oh, uh -huh. It's a bit like the torture scene in James Bond. <laughs> so he's having these things put in his brain. Okay. So anyway, um, you see the X. They say you see the X and you might be shocked. So we leave them alone in the machine. We get a stranger to reach into the machine and hold their hand. And we get their partner to hold their hand. And before therapy, whichever of those conditions is happening, when they see the X, their women's brains go berserk. And if lights up like crazy and alarm, and if you ask them if the shock hurts, they say, yes, it's very painful. Mm -hmm. So then we do um, 20 sessions of EFT, some less, a bit less for some couples, but we, we would give them up to 20. Okay. And um, they've done these bonding conversations. So then we do the procedure again. So after therapy, the woman lies in the machine alone. She sees the X and her brain lights up and the shock hurts. And when the stranger reaches in for her hand, her brain, she sees the X, her brain lights up, the shock hurts. But after these bonding conversations, when her partner reaches in and holds her hand, she sees the X, nothing happens in her brain. Nothing. It's nothing. A calm, it's a calm, resting brain. And if you ask her if the shock hurts, she says it's uncomfortable. And wow. that's very interesting. And if you talk to Jim, who's a neuroscientist about that, he says yes, because the most natural, soothing safety cue for the mammalian brain, a wired-in soothing safety cue, is physical contact with someone you trust and love. Your brain literally codes that as a safety cue and as a resource for you. So it's kind of like, this makes sense of the old idea that you can cope with almost everything, but you can't cope with anything alone, right? Mm -hmm. We're not built to face dragons alone. Um, so it was very fascinating and it basically changed the way the women's brains responded to threat. And this is a huge thing if you think about it. It's, it's very, very fascinating. And it supports all the basic science on bonding. And it supports the power of these bonding conversations. And it supports the effectiveness of EFT. There, so it's really interesting stuff. Yeah, there are so many facets to this that I love. And I find just spectacular and interesting. And because there have been many research studies done in the past about the benefits of having healthy, healthy, happy relationships. But now through the neuroscience research you're doing and, and things like that, we understand that there are physical changes happening to us That's because right. of this stuff. And what I find even better than all of that is you have developed a toolkit that people can, can make this stuff happen even if they're not in the proper place today they That's can right. they can go through these therapy sessions and then it's almost like turning on a superpower that with their spouse they can now handle a whole lot more than they could beforehand it's 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 extraordinary well i think it is <laughs> yeah i think it is and it's it's sort of like you know in some ways it's kind of corny it's like talking about the, the Bible talks about the power of love. Poets talk about the power of love. You know, Oprah magazine talks about the power of love, but like um, it's all, this is on the level of sort of a lot of it is just sentimentality. But now we're getting to the place where science says, this is what love looks like for our brains. This is how it works. And the key issue is 
and what you understand you can shape. This is how we do it. Because after all, I could tell you anything. I could say to you, hey, Steve, turnips are the, the, um, the secret to living to 150. Yeah. And you'd say, jolly good, Sue, but who knows how to grow a turnip? And I'd say, nobody. Then it's <laughs> a waste of time. Yeah, yeah. If we, if we, like, if you really believe that people can have more loving relationships and that they're incredibly important, and as our society gets lonelier and lonelier, they become even more important, that's a waste of time unless you can actually say to people, and this is how you grow a loving relationship. This is how you do it. It's not, it's, you know, it's not a mystery anymore. It's not impossible. And I think that's a message that, especially in today's world, people really need to hear. They need to hear that message because so many folks are feeling so defeated by yeah. relationships. Yeah. Uh, so this, now that I'm going to ask this question, I feel like it's a little bit ridiculous. <laughs> um, but I think a lot of people still listening to this or people who have preconceived notions of what EFT is and who it's for, um, maybe now that they've listened to this, they might rethink it a little bit. So I'm going to just ask you, who is EFT for? Oh, well, if your therapy is based on a, a universal understanding of love and what love means for, um, for us as mammals and as bonding animals, you could say um, EFT is pretty universally applicable. You know, it, it's, it really goes to the place where we're just human beings. We're bonding human beings. You know, our young are more vulnerable for longer than any other species on this planet. So when your brain is actually being formed, it knows, like it knows how to take air in, that if, if this little being calls and no one comes, that it's at terrible risk and danger and that it could die. So this is part of everyone on this planet. On the other hand, you know, uh, we've used EFT for people not just who are distressed and not having, being able to create attachment and bonding, mm -hmm. but depressed people, people who are facing PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, mm -hmm. and people who are anxious. We've, there's even one on couples who, where one person is dying. Um, that's on, the, all these are all on the our Institute website. Um, okay. And you can get to it through my website. The Institute is called ICEFT the International Center for Excellence in EFT. So we, it's pretty universally applicable, but... And you mentioned you mentioned that the you were working with uh, some heart organization because yeah. it helps in recovery from heart attacks. Yes, there's lots of push right now to use our... Um, to use Hold Me Tight and the education program that we ba um, is based on that book, which we've put out... Um, which is called Hold Me Tight Conversations for Connection, that you, you can go and you might look and be able to take a group in your community, a Hold Me Tight group, right? You can find those um, on our websites. But um, using those for heart attack patients, and there's lots of folks who now want to use them for um, cancer patients, for diabetics, because we're starting to understand that this bonding, the quality of the bonds you have with the people that are important to you are a physical reality. They impact you emotionally, and they impact you physiologically. Mm -hmm. You know, if you want your body to be able to go into 
a sort of a balance, a homeostasis, and deal with stress. You know, if you want your immune system to work properly, if you want a good, um, your heart rate not to go skyrocketing all the time, really um, go to, yeah, go to the gym, eat vegetables. But the most important thing is for you to have this loving relationship with at least one person that you could turn to. So, you know, this makes EFT pretty universal. However, we, when we do EFT, um, we have a rule that in order to make EFT, have EFT be effective, you have to be able to create some basic safety in the session. Okay. So, for example, if a couple come in and they have completely different agendas, you know, if one person says, well, I want a, a loving, intimate relationship, I want a bond where we're close, and the other person, I'm thinking of one person I saw years ago, says, um, well, I'm a very important man, and um, I really don't have time for a close relationship. What I want is a wife. You know, I, want, I want you to look beautiful at outings. I want you to take care of my children, and I want you to mind your own business. You know, if I have a mistress, it's up to me. In other words, he wanted a kind of real economic exchange, mm -hmm. and she wanted an intimate relationship. So basically, he said to me, so what I want you to do is change my wife's personality so that, <laughs> so that she agrees to do everything I say. And I said, I'm so sorry. Um, I don't know how to do that. <laughs> <laughs> You're not a magician. <laughs> so, and, and not only that, I wouldn't either. I mean, sure. that, So you have to have some sort of common goals, but also we, you have to be able to create safety in the session. So another gentleman I saw years ago um, for reasons that I never really got to understand because he didn't stay with me long enough, um, felt that he was, he, he was, had the right to emotionally abuse his lady in the session, call her names, um, tell her all the things that were wrong with her and demand all kinds of things for her. And I could not encourage her to open herself up to him. Mm -hmm. um, he wasn't in any way safe. He didn't have any empathy. So if we can't create a certain level of safety in the session, we won't work. EFT doesn't. You know, it's like everything else. You know, um, EF. There's a point where you know every drug you can get out there won't work. You know, uh -huh. it's like penicillin doesn't work if you're dead. You know, <laughs> yes. so um, you know you have to have some criteria. But nevertheless, the people we work with, um, we get seventy to seventy-five percent of couples. Um, in our research projects, which are very demanding, mm -hmm. you know, um, uh, we get 70 to 75 percent of couples completely out of distress, and the follow-up studies say that they they stay there, which is really great. It's one thing to create a change in therapy; it's something else to create change that lasts through sure. the everyday trials of life. You know? Yeah, yeah. And um, so, how does EFT translate more specifically? And, and ways that it can help couples? Well, what EFT really does, and this is really, um, you know, I really laid this out in Hold Me Tight and in Love Sense. What EFT really does is it talks about the, how important emotion is and how you have to tune into the emotional channel to really understand what's going on in a relationship. Emotion is the music of the dance between partners. It organizes the dance. It sets the dance up. Mm -hmm. So we help people really understand and look at 
the dance they're caught in, which often with distressed couples is one person is demanding and complaining and criticizing, and the other person is defending, distancing, and stonewalling. And the more demanding one person gets, the more the other person puts up a wall and shuts down. The more that person shuts down, the more the other person demands. And this can go on for a lifetime. And it's incredibly distressing for people. It's quite toxic for people, actually. It's toxic for the whole family. People don't understand it. They don't even see the dance they're caught in. They just see how mean their partner is. Mm -hmm. They don't understand the emotional messages whizzing back and forth. They don't even understand their own responses. You know, people say things like, I don't understand why I'm so angry. Or, I don't understand why I don't want to talk to her. Mm -hmm. I don't know what this is all about. You know, so first of all, what we do is we really help them see what's going on. We help them see how emotional disconnection hurts, and that's not a metaphor. Um, there's research by people like Nancy Eisenberger, who's in California, she's a neuroscientist, that actually shows that in our brains, rejection by someone we count on and care about is coded in the same place in the brain and exactly the same way as physical pain. It's, um, it's a danger cue. Rejection from the people you depend on is a danger cue for your brain, just like stepping on a nail is a danger cue. I'm sure. I'm sure a lot of people out there who have had that teenage love, where they were first time their heart was broken, yeah, probably felt something similar to what you're talking about. Yes, never mind first time. Um, what this research says that when you're when you come home longing to see your partner, and your partner turns around and you look into their face and you see disapproval and anger and you listen to their voice and you hear that they're disappointed in you, um, basically your brain, your social brain that tunes into that, that your brain responds with pain to that. So we help people understand the impact of this, the messages that they're sending their partner and receiving from their partner. And See, what, I, I, what I love about this too is I, I feel like a lot of people have been given the message of – that this is life. You just have to like grit your teeth and work through these things. That's right. But it's almost like you have essentially like cleared away all the fog so people can actually see that these things have physiological impacts on people and that emotional beating that people take on day in, day out is something that it's not just imaginary or that they're weak or any of those other things that we often hear. These are actual things that are happening to them and it doesn't have to be this way. That's right. So it basically EFT helps people really understand what is normal, how come they respond this way, helps them understand the patterns they're caught in, helps them come together and sort of slow this dance down and say things like, oh Sue, we got caught in the spiral dance last night. And in the spiral, I just put up a wall, but I never understood that it freaked her out that she suddenly felt like I didn't care. She was alone. She was abandoned. And so I said to her, oh, is this one of these times when you just feel like I don't care? And she said, yes. And instead of getting angry, she got all quiet. And she said, I don't want to criticize you and put you down because I know that hurts you. And I went over and I held her and I said, we can stop this spiral together. 
Now, we show people how to do that, which is how to step out, help each other step out of emotional disconnection. Mm -hmm. And then we help them learn how to reach for each other and step into have what we call hold me tight conversations. So it's very specific. We, we, we know how to, the things that people have to do, be able to do to get to this moments of loving bonding, right? So mm -hmm. EFT absolutely has not just um, translated into new ways to help couples, it's translated into a whole new way of seeing adult relationships, you know, helping us see that it's not inevitable. We don't have to fall in and fall out of love. Mm -hmm. What you understand, you can shape. Yes, I uh, I love this so much. <laughs> uh, you mentioned that you can't uh, apply penicillin to cure somebody who's dead. <laughs> uh, are there are there pitfalls or, or limitations uh, to to EFT? Of course, I mean there's limitations to everything. You're yeah. like as I said before, you can't use EFT if people absolutely refuse to be able to listen to their partner or to take their partner into account. Who are re or who are completely caught in behaviors like violent behaviors or addictive behaviors that are totally going to hurt their partner mm -hmm. and hurt them too. You know, when we work with addicts, for example, we say to them, you have to, um, some, you have to come to terms with the fact that you, your life is controlled by this substance or this activity and you have to be willing to work on that and you have to be willing to see how that impacts your partner. And if you will do that, we will work with you and your partner because as some TED talk, I can't remember who did it, just said, the answer to addiction is not sobriety. The answer to addiction is connection with other people mm. because most of the addictions are just substitutes for safe connection with other people. So is it? Then we'll work with them, but we won't work with them. If the guy comes in years ago at the big hospital in town, this guy came in and he said, um, well, you call it an addiction but I'm quite well off and so I'm not a criminal and I like heroin mm -hmm. and I I'm, I'm, don't call it an addiction and I'm, I'm not going to change it. And we said, we're sorry, we don't know how we can help you because you see, as far as your wife's concerned, it's like you're having an affair with heroin. You turn to heroin instead of to her all the time. So we don't think we can help you. We won't work with you in EFT if we can't help you. Gotcha. But the other limitation to EFT is of course that therapists have to learn to do it, mm. and, it's, and it's not. It's not. Um, here's three questions, and you always answer, You ask these three questions. Mm -hmm. Therapists have to learn to see the dance, to understand bonding science, to learn how to tune into what's going on. The therapist has to be very emotionally present and tuned in in this therapy. And I mean, we've become pretty good at this. There's a whole training program on our ICEFT website, www.iceeft.com. And there's even research on our training. A couple of teams of my colleagues out in California in the Journal of Marriage and Family Therapy, they did some tr the research on the impact of our four-day externship, which we do all over the country, mm -hmm. on therapists. And therapists said that they're much more competent with their couples. They feel more confident. Their couples didn't drop out, but also it had changed their lives. It had changed their relationships. Well, of course, I mean, yeah. if you start to understand love, it's going to change you too. Sure. But the, the therapist has to learn how to do it. Uh, I mean, we've set up 
an enormous amount of training in the last 30 years. In fact, I got the award for, for professional training from the American Association of Marital and Family Therapy a couple of years ago. And we've done all kinds of, so we, we, we know how to train people, but yeah. therapists have to be willing to learn this, you know, and sort of really, really learn how to take people through on this journey, right? That they yeah. have to, to do that. Well, I, I mean, I've, I've spoken with a lot of therapists over the years and everyone who has ever gotten into EFT all essentially it's like hearing the same person talk over and over again they talk about how they've never done any therapy like this before and it's they've never seen anything work as well as EFT has worked oh that's hey that's great yeah no (laughs) honestly honestly it's 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 pretty remarkable um and so so uh, when you talk about the therapist need to um, be emotionally in tune, is there a bonding that takes place between the therapist and the, and their patients or clients? Yes, there is. But the main bond that you want to happen in the therapy sessions is between the couple sure. or in the family. If we're doing EFT with families, which we do, you know, between parent and child, you know, that's the main bond you want to get going. And in a way, in good EFT, um, partners change and grow. What's more, what's more growth, what creates growth more than being loved? Mm-hmm. Partners change and grow. Um, they change each other. Mm-hmm. So the, they do have a bond with the therapist. It's like you're a surrogate father, mother, attachment figure, safe place, safe haven. But the, but the real bond you want to get going is between the people in the session, between the partners, right? Between the the father and the son, between the mother and the son. So, um, but yes, you you do. I mean, I I love my clients. You know, um, yeah. I don't think that's a sentimental thing to say. I think it's an honor to work at this level of deep emotions with people. It's an honor that they let you in. Um, it's an honor that you they let you take them on this human journey, and it's the journey that we all walk Mm -hmm. and so it's always an honor to walk alongside somebody and of course as you work in therapy with people you learn yourself on a whole different level about what it is to be human I mean we're all we're all struggling with the same stuff we we all face the same fears we all have the same needs you know yeah, I, uh, I, you know, I, so I just run run the website and do the podcasts and different things like that. And just me doing these podcasts, we've done uh, hundreds of podcasts now and thousands of articles on our websites. I, there's no way that I could do what I do and not have been, have been impacted by all the stuff that I've done and read and conversations that I've had and shame on me if it hasn't improved my relationship. Um, right. And, 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 you know, part of it too, is like, I try to embrace it. I try to live the brand. And so I, I you know, I try to practice what I preach um, yeah. and, and absorb all this amazing information. So I, I would only imagine that if you engage in EFT as a therapist, that it would impact positively the relationships around you as well as helping you with the people that come see you. Absolutely. I mean, I, when I teach, I always tell stories about my husband, my family know that I tell all these stories, right? So they, 
but I tell stories about my husband, but I also tell stories about parent. The parenting's a real challenge because just when you figure out how to tune into this person and be with them, they change. Sure. And so I tell stories about my fights I got into with my son, for example, and how he helped me out of the fight, not the other way around. You know, <laughs> uh, you know so that's, it's fascinating, right? We're all, we're all caught in the same dilemmas. And this is very much about being a human being. You know, and and in, in some ways, our society has some very strange ideas about what being a human being is. You know, um, one of the big ones that always comes up is that we say that there's something called effective dependency and that um, all the research says that um, needing other people is a source of strength and it's just who we are. We just need to know how to do it right. But um, securely attached folks who can reach for other people and confide and pull them close and take that love in are stronger, more resilient. You know, it's, um, but our society has all these strange messages about how if you're an adult, you're supposed to be somehow like this little island, mm. self-sufficient island, and all you have to do to deal with any distress is sort of go into mindfulness for 20 minutes and everything's going to be fine. You know, I think it's the movies. You know, <laughs> watching James Bond, you know, last night, I mean, uh -huh. we are in love with movies where, you know, people are never really vulnerable. Mm. Uh, people can deal with anything all by themselves. In the James Bond movie, Inspector, there's a certain point where they say, he's on his own. Yeah. You know, it's like, like the, the organization can't reach him, he's on his own. But actually, I thought it was an improvement because in this James Bond, which has really changed, the woman saves his life at a certain mm -hmm. point, which I thought was brilliant. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the movie, he goes off with the woman, which is very un-James Bondy. So maybe gradually our society is coming around to this idea that no, human beings are bonding animals and love is an ancient wired in survival code designed to keep the people you depend on close to you and it's a source of strength, which is, you know, all the spiritual traditions have been telling us this for years, but anyway. Yeah. And that, well, that's the thing that I want to like drive home is this stuff, we have had an intuition about a lot of this stuff in the past, yes. but it's today's current research and what you're doing that is showing that it's not just a feeling that we have about this stuff. Our bodies are physically responding to these things. That's right. And EFT is the toolkit to unlock uh, all this really great stuff. Um, That's right. And in and when and to be honest, I mean, um, it maybe it sounds grandiose, but when I wrote those two books for the public. Um, what I was trying to do was do my bit to um, change our culture, to, 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 to change the way we see adults. You know, attachment science has already created a revolution in how we parent. Mm -hmm. We see children differently than we did 40 years ago. We respond to children differently than we did 40 years ago. We don't just drop our children off at the hospital and pick them up a week later. We go in with them and sleep next to them. So it's already created a revolution in how we parent. And I want EFT to be part of the revolution in how we see 
romantic relationships. And so, why I, I actually have a really I have a good question. I think it's a good question for you because one of my uh, biggest hurdles, I would say, is trying to break and you know I realize it's not just me but trying to break this taboo that we should all just know how to live happily ever after but par- parents for example and I've said this many times on the podcast parents seem to not have much difficulty asking other parents how you know my kids acting up what did you do yeah but most people will not do the same type of op- like have those open conversations about the relationship and I you know I feel like I partly understand why you don't want to become that vulnerable with somebody else about such an intimate relationship. But there's this mentality of, well, of course, I'm not supposed to understand how to raise this little human being. I've never done it before. Like, why would I know how to do that? But we as a society are expected to just know how to live with one person for 50, 60, 70 years with all the stuff that happens in life and, and the dips and the turns and the and the accidents and the happiness and everything else. And we're just supposed to know how to handle that stuff. That's right. And of course we don't. And I think one of the things that I say to people is people say, they tell me in therapy, well, I'm ashamed somehow because I'm you know, I don't know how to be a good partner or I don't know what this person wants and I don't know why we're so unhappy and, you know, and I'm somehow ashamed. And I say, oh, don't be ashamed. You know, most of us um, have never seen this dance that you're trying to create. Marriage has changed. You know, we, we used to live in small communities and into this amazing social web of support. Mm-hmm. And now... We don't live in small communities. We live in this huge, terrifying world, and we need more connection and support from our partner. You know, I expect a level of emotional connection from my husband that I'm sure my granny did not expect from her partner. Mm -hmm. And the focus of, of marriage has changed from economic survival to emotional connection. And most of us have grown up in families where, um, they never even saw that. So it's like me saying to you, Steve, um, go and do this dance with your partner. It's amazingly intricate. It, the music, the emotional music changes every two seconds. Um, and by the way, your brain codes this dance in terms of life and death. So it's pretty important how you put your feet. Mm-hmm. And your partner won't tune into you all the time. So you might be going in different directions. It's a very complicated dance. Your life depa- depends on it. You've never seen it before. Get on with it. Yeah. And people say, well, that's impossible. I say, right. Yeah. Which is why we, we should be educating people about relationships. Not in, in We should be educating people. And I talk about this in Love Sense, actually. We should be educating people about that they're social animals, about how to have relationships in groups, friendships. But for goodness sake, we should be educating people about how to have good love relationships. Mm-hmm. And in, we couldn't do that 20 years ago because we didn't really know what to tell people about how to have good relationships. But we can sure do it now, yeah. which is what we're trying to do a lot in our hold me tight groups and and in the books but you know it's time it's time most people live in a if they're lucky live in a community of two these days we don't live in small villages we need this emotional connection from our partner and it really is time for us particularly in the mental health field 
to um, start to seriously educate people. And the main tool we have to educate them is this new, all this new science on adult bonding. Well, one of the things that you just said that I think is really important is that we need these connections because I think a lot of people might be listening to this and thinking to themselves, well, you know, I'm fine, I'm happy, nothing's wrong, all that kind of stuff. But they, I, I use sports metaphors all the time. And one of, one of the things that I like to say is, you know, if I told most people to go outside and run, they could run. But if you want to be, be excellent at it, you would get a coach and you would have that coach help you unlock right. special skills that would make you run faster. And the thing that I think is important about all of this is, yeah, you might think you're okay and you might actually be okay, but through these more strengthened bonds – as you pointed out earlier, uh, you you are healthier, you recover, you don't feel as much pain. Like all these different things uh, will boost everything in your life because That's of right. because of those improved bonds. Yes, and let's also go with your metaphor because if you're going to run, you are going to fall. You mm. are going to fall, and the thing that really defines the quality of a relationship is what happens at moments of vulnerability. What happens when one person or both people are vulnerable? Can they turn towards each other and lift each other up? Mm -hmm. Or when they're vulnerable, do they experience the other person is distracted, um, not present, or even dangerous? You know, and we wound each other in relationships because we don't know how to respond when things go wrong, when we're injured, you know, um, or we leave each other alone at moments of deep need you know and we've we've studied this we call them attachment injuries so you can you can say oh i don't need to pay attention to my relationship it ticks along but actually relationships don't tick along they're either they're either in growth mode or they're stalled or they're going backwards and unfortunately we don't most of us don't know how to look at our relationships so lots of the times i see couples who say i thought everything was fine and then my partner turned to me and said i've gone to see a divorce lawyer mm -hmm. and i say what are you talking about you know and my partner said i'm I, we've been roommates for years so there's that kind of issue mm -hmm. but we also get couples where suddenly everything goes wrong that's what they say so we were fine until she had that miscarriage and she says that I wasn't there for her. Um, and we fight about it all the time now. And she says she's going to leave. And I don't even know why she's so upset. You know, I went to the hospital and filled out and the forms. I did what I thought I was supposed to do. So I don't even know why all hell is breaking loose. And this is a moment of vulnerability mm -hmm. that the couple just couldn't surf along on their usual level. They had to find a way to really emotionally connect. And if you don't know how to do that, sooner or later, you're going to be disconnected, find yourself disconnected at moments of deep need, and things are going to go wrong. Because, you know, either I can, in those moments, either I can count on you or I can't. Yeah. Uh, so. Yeah, you, I mean, you, you talked about, you, people don't even see what's going on in their relationship. They think they know until the divorce papers hit their desk. Uh, and, and back to the metaphor, it's almost like the coach showing you the tape. You don't think you're flailing your arm, but look, this is actually what you are doing. That's right. And I think the other thing is 
you know, expectations, like some of the expectations out there, one, I've been talking a lot about sex recently, um, you know, and there's some little pieces on my website, me talking about sex and bonding. And one of the cliches out there is, well, you can't be with somebody in a long-term relationship and have an alive sex life. You're going to, it's a trade, you know, you're going to trade secure friendship for uh, passion, but you can't have both. And what I say to my couples is, um, someone in a magazine wrote this up. Um, some, some analyst who wrote a book 60 years ago wrote this up. What are you talking about? You know, the point is here, um, you don't know the glorious kind of relationship you can have until you start to really educate yourself. And what I talk about is our couples, when you look at our couples and when you really understand what passion is about, and I don't think we've got enough time to get into that on this one, yeah. but people... No, you can't have passion as a constant. Nothing's constant in life. Everything ebbs and flows. But that's but also what makes it exciting, too, is when those moments right. of passion happen. You need to have, in order to have light, you need to have a little darkness. That's right. And what I see with couples is that they can fall in love with each other again and again and again over a lifetime. And they can have passion. I mean, passion is all about attachment, longing, the longing for connection that's twinned with tuning, being able to tune into somebody and play, erot have erotic play. That's what passion is. If you understand passion, if you understand love, you know how to create these moments and you can create them again and again and again through a lifetime. So some of the cliches about relationships that people feel they just have to accept, you know, this new science says they're not true. R love can be even more glorious than we've ever imagined, but it's not just given, it doesn't just happen like it does in the movies. Yeah. You know, it's not just a spontaneous flood of hormones. Um, you know, it's it, you. It's like every other dance that's worth dancing. Mm -hmm. Practice makes perfect, and it's good to learn it. Yeah, I love I love thinking of love and marriage as verbs. That's Either. right. Yeah, yeah. Um, I could speak with you for hours, forever. I love this. Um, but I wanted. But I think we better not. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I think we better not. We'll we'll cut this up and do another episode if you're up for it at some other time. I do sure. want to ask you, um, just because I have you on now, what is the most common question people ask you? Oh, they they ask me, well, really, what we've been talking about, but like, what is really possible? They ask me, can you really heal relationships? You know, can you? be in a terrible conflict cycle with somebody for 15 years and heal relationships, you know? And I say yes, because the conflict is just the inflammation. The virus is the emotional disconnection that you guys don't know how to talk about. So I say, can we heal relationships? Yes. Can we heal injuries like affairs? Yes, you can. And can we have long-term lasting, um, passionate connection and, if we understand love, yes, you can, but you, those things are, you know, they're not, they don't just fall on the sky from the sky. Yeah. And, and, and the other issue is there's no magical person. There's no soul makes those things fall from the sky. That's a nasty myth. People think all I have to do is find my soulmate and all this magic will happen. No, you have to know how to create the magic. So people ask me what is possible mm -hmm. and, this new science and our 20 years of, 30 years of work on EFT 
really, really says, here is what is possible. Here is the, the road home. We know the journey. We know what's going on. We know what home looks like. Here is what our mammalian brain resonates with, vibrates with. You know, this is what is why all the poets and philosophers and religious leaders talk about love. This is what it's all about. And that is a, a pretty huge thing. And it's very optimistic. It's very positive. It's totally different from all this stuff you hear out there about how marriage is finished and, you know, um, we should all be polyamorous because one person can't possibly satisfy you and all this very negative stuff. Yeah. This stuff is an antidote to that. Yes, I love it so much. And I am 100% on board with all this stuff. Um, well, that is that is excellent. Um, you know, I have uh, just finished reading this book called The Geography of Genius. And what? listening, it's, it's an excellent book, by the way. I highly recommend it to anybody out there. Um, but it basically it talks about how the places that um, these renaissance throughout history and why trying to find out why these things happened and and it, it would touch on uh individuals who made giant impacts like michelangelo for example yeah and one of the things that uh this is a quote and i <laughs> um I, I i say this in full honesty uh, one of the quotes uh in this book that has just really stuck with me and i feel like it applies here is talent hits the target that nobody can hit and genius is the person who can hit the target nobody can see and i honestly believe that when you were telling the story about you going up on stage and and delivering your message and people couldn't see it all those years ago that they were walking out of the room and and now it seems obvious and when i was reading the book all the things it, it just seems to history repeats itself and i and i was just reading all these stories about people that thought these other people were they were able to see things that other people weren't able to see and i don't want to discredit the work that you've done either because that's the other part of this because without doing all the work that you have done and as well as others it wouldn't have gotten to the place that it's gotten but it was that that point of inspiration and in, and in you um, putting in the time and effort and the passion to see this through, which has really been a gift, I think, to everybody that has come in contact with it. So on behalf of everybody, I just want to say thank you. Hey, Steve. <laughs> that's very sweet, okay? Um, uh, thank you. That's, that's very sweet of you. I'm not quite sure that I see myself uh, anywhere near someone like Michelangelo, but that's that's very sweet. Thank you. Well, I... <sighs> I'm not, I don't want to put you on the spot or anything, but I, you know, we, we tag people like Steve Jobs as a genius, right? And, and he did, he changed industries. And I yes. would say that you have changed an industry. And I so hope, I hope we have, I hope we have changed. Yes, I hope, I hope we've changed the field of couple and family therapy. And also as a relationship person, um, yes, Steve Jobs did an amazing thing. And when I look at um, a family sitting around in a restaurant, all staring at their <laughs> cell phones, I think that Steve Jobs needed a bit of a wallop. 
he should have put a, he should have put a little sign on all his devices saying this device is not a substitute for essential human connection then he didn't do that so um personally if i met if i meet steve jobs in another life i'll give him a little wallop as well <laughs> excellent <laughs> Then we wouldn't be doing this if if it wasn't for Steve Jobs. I might not be talking to you right now, which has been incredible fun. So that's true. That's true. Well, I know this has gone very long, and I want to thank you so much for your time. But before you go, I want to remind everybody that you have been listening to Dr. Sue Johnson. She is the author of Love Sense, the author of Hold Me Tight. Uh, you can get this information at her website, drsuejohnson.com. And as we've been talking, the creator of Emotionally Focused Therapy, EFT. Uh, you can find the books on our website and our bookstore, hitchedmag.com. And uh, one last time, thank you so much, Sue. It has been a humongous pleasure. It was fun, Steve. Take care. All right. Thank you. You too. <laughs>